Hi, this is Joe Satriani, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, folks, this is Steve Vai, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. So turn it up. Hello, everyone. This is your bass player, Billy Sheehan, from the Laundry Dogs. So you're listening to my good friend, Sean, here on Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Herman here from Dragon Force, and you are rocking out on Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 244 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, Sean, coming from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Starting out this episode, we have for you an interview with guitarist Herman Lee from the band Dragon Force. Dragon Force just released a new album entitled Maximum Overload. Before we get to that interview, though, here's a track from that album. This is the fastest track that Dragon Force has ever recorded, entitled The Game. everyone with me on the line i have herman from the band dragon force how you doing today herman i'm doing great how are you uh doing good it's uh, a little cold here in pittsburgh right now but uh you know it is what it is um <laughs> i want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us i know uh, you guys are pretty busy um but uh you guys got a new album coming out in august and uh i was wondering if you'd uh, be able to talk a little bit about this new album uh yeah um um well the I guess the theme is continuation of the of Dragon Force. We just um uh on the last album, we you know we're trying to add more. I guess everyone know us as like the speedy shreddy band. Right. Uh, of course, we still have that, but we adding more elements into our music, which might actually surprise some people. There's definitely things that we haven't done before. A little bit slower, but we also gone faster at the same time. So we're going all different direction here, pushing pushing what we can do. Yeah, you mentioned going faster. Uh, is it true? Like the uh, the game, which is the first song on the album, is uh, the fastest song you guys ever recorded. Yeah, that's right. That is uh, the fastest and the heaviest, and math method scientifically proven mathematically <laughs> <laughs> by the notes we're using and the and the beat per minute we we use when we recorded the song. 
So yep. cool, yeah, I think I, I read it was like around uh, 240 beats per minute. Um, can you talk a little bit about the recording process and, and the writing process? Um, you know, because you and uh, you know you and Sam, two incredible guitar players, you know, working together and, and writing together, and, and how the songs come about. Well, the we actually changed the, the way we write on this album. So Sam and our bassist Fred um, teamed up together okay. to work on the songs um, in France. I don't know because I don't know French food is better. Maybe I don't know <laughs> compared to England, I guess for sure. <laughs> um, and they kind of um, they they kind of got everything kind of together first from there writing the music, and then we start working on it in the in London afterwards, right. and then got, and then went to Sweden to um, to work with the producer there, and then we kind of split. And did a bit more work here, but um, it took about I guess six months to record. Not that we recorded every single day, um, but that's kind of the period we had to record. Right now, you guys, uh, this is the first time you guys kind of worked with an outside uh, producer. You guys brought in uh, Jens Bogren to work on this, and he's you know worked with a lot of you know heavy hitters. Uh, Catatonia, Monomarth, uh, Creator. Um, can you talk a little bit about what he brought to the process? Yeah, um, you know, he 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 kind of made us. Um, how to say? You gotta trust your producer to um, to know what's good when you what you play. When right. you're playing, sometimes I mean, for us, we always think it's not good enough. We always can do better. Sometimes you get a bit obsessive and pretty crazy that we do so many takes again and again because we're just not sure. And with a producer, you just play and he will tell you if it's good or not, um, which which is good. It's actually. Um, kind of help accelerate the whole thing because you don't have to worry about so much. It's hard to be the third person looking at yourself when you're playing. It's, that's pretty difficult. And that's from, you know, having a great ear for music. And it's just it's just really good at getting the whole sound and the production together. When people hear the album, they go, wow, you know, the tone is like incredible. I guess Swedish people have always been kind of good at doing these things. I don't know why. <laughs> um, did, so that, does that take pressure off you guys to focus more creatively on on the songs? Yeah, definitely. We no longer have to worry about the other stuff, all the mixing, producing, and mix, picking sure things are recorded. Um, it does kind of put something in the back of your mind when you're playing, is thinking, oh, i got to do this later. Um, I mean, we're happy that we did our production um, on previous albums, but it's good to get a fresh feel and do something different and challenge ourselves. So at the same time, we've got this top producer guy. We can learn stuff from him. Mm-hmm. Um now you guys uh, also uh, you, you recorded a cover for this song uh, "Ring of Fire," which you know after hearing it, it's a really interesting uh, take on that. It's you know really uh, dragon forced, if you if, if if you will. Uh, can you talk a little bit about you know why you chose that song and how that song ended up on the album? Um, so Sam heard that song. He heard "Ring of Fire" on television, and I guess he had this strange, bizarre vision that <laughs> he could turn it into something kind of an epic fast dragon force style song right and so he made the demo and we listened to it. he thought wait you know what this is this is this is cool that's kind of how it came about um it wasn't gonna we weren't gonna do a cover that's just gonna sound like the original too much mm-hmm. we want something that's got a dragon force feel we can put our signature sound that people know what we do on it cool 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 and then also uh you brought in uh matt heafy to record a, a few songs on this can you talk about working with him yeah it's kind of strange we've broken all the rules you know, we're doing a bunch of stuff we never done. We never did right. a cover before. We never got a producer before. We never had a like a guest musician 
you know, featured on mm-hmm. the album. Um, so when we got the songs um, pretty much pretty close to finish, we listened to them and we thought we certain songs needed a different edge to it. Some of the heavier songs needed a bit heavier backing vocals, a bit right. more aggressive kind of death metal or thrash metal vocals. So Matt had the voice to mix so many different different kind of tone of his voice and it just came to our mind to give him a call because he's a friend of us and we've two together in the past, you know, a few times. Right. Um, cool. I mean, it's, it's a great album. Uh, I got a chance to listen to it. I'm uh, really digging it. Um, it's been reviewing, you know, very well. And it, I believe it comes out August uh, 19th here in the States and August 18th in Europe. Is that correct? That's right. Cool. Um, it's, um, we, it's not far away. And it's, you know, we've actually finished the album a bit earlier than we thought. Right. Which is surprising. The reason is um the reason it took so long for the album to come out is because our singer had to finish his um his university college course <laughs> on mechanical engineering. So they only had one year left, so we had to finish it. Right, know, right. Gonna, gonna not finish, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um Okay, moving on from the album, can you talk a little bit about uh, your influences as a guitar player and as a musician and, and how you developed your style? Uh, for me I grew up you know, the I I started learning guitar in the grunge era. Right. But I was more into the kind of the melodic rock, eighties rock stuff of the great great bands like Van Halen and great guitar players like Steve Vai, Satriani. That's kind of my thing. And I got into obviously the Megadeth Metallica, those are the big bands back then and and then I got into Dream Theater. So I'm love progressive stuff, really melodic. Okay. Re- melodic music, yeah. Um, and uh, talking a little bit about your gear, you have a uh, signature series Ibanez, uh, the, the Ibanez E-Gen. Can you talk a little bit about that guitar and developing that guitar with Ibanez? Yeah, um, I had the, it was basically trying to, I was trying to, I've always been an Ibanez player. Right. And I always try to evolve as a musician, but also the guitar. So I wanted to really have, have it can do as much things as possible from playing jazz to, you know, really heavy brutal metal, rock, great for guitar soloing and doing all the straight crazy guitar noises of whammy bar, I mean, and everything keep in tune. So, um, so I actually worked on that for a few years of Ibanez before they actually said, I can have a signature model. And when they said, oh, we're interested in you doing one, I've already done it. You know, influenced from all the greatest guitars like the Ibanez Jam, the mm-hmm. Satriani guitar, and other guitars, you know, I always thought, you know, had cool ideas on. Cool, cool, cool. Um, touring for this album, do you know when that's going to start? And uh, will be will we be uh, seeing you here in the States anytime soon? Um, you definitely see us in the States. Unfortunately, we haven't been, we haven't been, we haven't played the show since 2012. And we're actually working on a tour right now with another great band, um, not same style, but in the same scene. And hopefully we'll come after we're done with the European shows. Yeah? Um, we have to kick off the tour in Europe this time because we, we started two tours in America right. on, on the last two albums. Yeah. Cool. cool. Um, you know, I look forward to seeing you guys. I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to us about the new album. It's a great album. And uh, uh, wish you guys all the luck with the uh, upcoming tour. Thank you. Hope to see you at one of the shows. Definitely. 
All right, I'd like to thank Herman for taking the time to talk to us. Again, the album's called Maximum Overload. It's available now. Definitely recommend checking it out. Up next on the program, we have an interview with Pittsburgh native Shane Lentz. Shane's an incredible bass player who just released an amazing new EP entitled Reverse Horizons. John had a chance to talk to him about that EP. Before we get to that, though, here's a track from it called Parhelic Circles. Pittsburgh native Shane Lentz, bassist extraordinaire. How you doing, Shane? Great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I have to say, you you sent me an email. Uh, it's been a little bit, uh, and was sickened by your amazing bass technique. Uh, I, I'm not a bass player. I have owned a bass in my life. Uh, I'm not even sure why I owned it, but um, your, yours was disturbingly talented. Um, 
<laughs> first first <laughs> question, me. you know, um, how did you learn to play like that? And, you know, we're obviously going to get into a track from you in, in just a moment so folks can indulge in this. Uh, when did you take up the bass at, like, six months old or how long have you been playing? <laughs> no. no, I've been playing since I uh, was 10, actually. Okay. So it's been about 18 years now okay. I've been playing bass. And I initially wanted to play drums, honestly, and my parents wanted to buy drums for me. They said it was too loud, too expensive. And so my second choice was bass, and I'm kind of glad I chose bass now. So that's kind of when I started, and um, I really didn't develop, I guess, an interest really in bass until about two or three years after I started playing, and that's when I got into more of the technical side of playing. Okay. Now, did you study in, in this area? Like, did you – I'm going to imagine you surpassed a lot of bass instructors pretty quick. I mean, where, where, where did you learn the bass? No, I um I had several instructors, and unfortunately, a lot of them were guitarists who were also teaching bass, mm-hmm. and none of them really had, I think, that good bass mindset, that kind of approach that bassists really need. And I was fortunate enough to find um, a bass um, teacher in uh, the Greensburg area, actually, mm-hmm. who went to school for bass and was a... Um, kind of did his own recordings on his own end, did a lot of session work, had his own band, and um, he really helped me get to that next level. Um, and, in fact, when he was busy playing shows or going on tours and that sort of thing, there was a secondary bass teacher within the same uh, shop who would uh, kind of step in for my lessons. And both of their approaches were completely different. The, my main teacher was a technical guy, more of my style of play, Right. And the secondary teacher was more of a very structured, like minimalistic approach, uh, all about just like your right hand technique or left hand technique, barely moving, doing mm-hmm. the least amount of work to get the most sound. So it was great to have both of those teachers. That really helped me. Now, was there a particular player that you kind of did that? kind of spoke to you that maybe said, you know, instead, okay, mom, dad won't get me drums. You know, it seems like most kids, you know, end up uh, either getting a guitar or trying to be a singer. What, who, who is the guy on your wall that, that, that made you want to pick up the four string? I initially heard like Bela Fleck and the Fleck tones way back in the day, which has uh Victor Wooten a lot of times, you know, playing bass for them. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was really one of the main influences I had was Victor Wooten growing up. Okay. But I was also a huge fan of Billy Sheehan and his work as well, and uh, Stu Hamm. Mm-hmm. So it kind of crossed a lot of different uh, genres there. Yeah. So those were kind of those main, you know, influences growing up. Yeah, I, I could see that, you know, with Billy and, and Stu as well. You know, I, I have to admit, Stu is probably the first name when I watched you play that kind of came into my mind. Um <laughs> You know, having seen Stu play many times and kind of watching the technique, and you know, kind of one of the things I thought it was his rendition of Linus and Lucy. Um, are you a big fan of John My Young? Oh, definitely. Yeah, he was huge, big into like Dream Theater, like theater growing up, and uh, and I was also like really big into like Gary Willis and Christian McBride, Steve Bailey, obviously Jocko Pastorius, all those bases as well. Mm-hmm. So um, did you then go on to, to school for that, or, or did you um, just kind of continue working with instructors, or where did you get into, like, the, the heavy, heavy theory stuff? I got actually more into high school. I started to – I switched to fretless bass for a while, 
okay. electric fretless, and that was great. That's when I got into a lot of the uh, Jocko stuff. Okay. That really helped me get to that next level. And then I started to learn upright bass. Okay. And that's when I got a lot into theory, and I started playing more jazz and classical uh, music. And then um, whenever I went to college, I didn't go to school for actual, like, you know, bass performance or anything like that. Yeah. But I continued to uh, play with a lot of bands, still try to take lessons when I could, and then I uh, started to do more of, like, recording and session work as well. Okay. And at the, at the current time, I know you, uh, about three, four years ago, worked with Jeff Loomis. Uh, for those of you who don't know the name Jeff Loomis, he was a guitarist of uh, Nevermore. I'm not sure what the current status of Nevermore is, but they had some fantastic albums out five, six mm-hmm. years ago. Um, how did you hook up with Jeff? I actually, um, it was kind of funny because I was posting, I started to post videos on YouTube, um, and he came across one of my videos, actually, on YouTube and got in touch with me, which was really cool. Um, I never thought I'd have that opportunity to play with, uh, you know, Jeff, I was always a big fan of Nevermore growing up, and his guitar playing is incredible, obviously, so uh, that was a really cool, uh, you know, email I got there from him, Uh, so that's how I got in touch with that. Yeah, now, now, do you have a, do you currently have a band or you just, uh, kind of do, do more studio work at the moment? I do a lot of, like, studio work. I have my own little studio set up at home, which is cool. But, um, and I haven't been really playing with a whole lot of bands or anything lately. I've decided to focus more on my own stuff, mm-hmm. which has been fun, but, um, actually, am uh, working on a project with a couple friends of mine. It's a, it's actually a black metal project. Okay. I know it's not technical, but um, it's pretty cool because uh, it features the vocalist of The Faceless. Uh, his name's Jeff Ficko. Okay. Doing vocals for this uh, band and a couple other great musicians in the area. And uh, we just finished up uh, recording uh first album, and we're hoping to release that here in the fall. Awesome. Now, I have to ask, you know, obviously we're both Pittsburgh guys. Um how is it trying to be a studio musician in this area? Is it is it something that you could see doing professionally, or is it is more of a struggle because of the geography? It's uh it's tough. I'm not going to lie. It's uh it's very difficult at times. Um, just the general location of where you know we are in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. It's just not the best area to be in. However, it's nice with just how technology is. It's so easy to be able to record, say, myself. I can easily track my bass. I can just email that back to whoever, wherever they are, mm-hmm. and then they can take it from there and do whatever they need to do with it. So it's uh, it's not ideal, but it's definitely doable. Yeah, it is interesting how many times, you know, we'll talk to, to musicians and you'll, oh, you know, so-and-so dropped a solo in on my song, and I never got to talk to him in person. <laughs> right. That, that happens all the time, you know. And I know even talking to some really heavyweight bands that don't get physically together, you know. They, they they go and they do the drums live in a studio somewhere, you know, because they want the ambiance and, the, the you know, the drums get for real, but then it's... Pro Tools here, Pro Tools on that coast, this guy's exactly. in England. Yep. You know, the writing albums via Skype, um, which is <laughs> fantastic. I mean, it really does open a lot of doors. And, you know, obviously we're not Los Angeles or Nashville or New York, but, uh, you know, it does open up a lot of opportunities where, you know, otherwise right. would be available. So, Definitely. So, now, do you plan on doing any kind of live shows with the, with the material from your EP? Do you got to 
do any kind of one-off stuff, or is you just focusing primarily on the death metal band at this point? I'm um I'm considering doing some live shows here. I actually had some recordings and whatnot lined up that I got done with. I uh, just finished everything up recently, so I'm thinking about doing live shows. I'm not sure how to do it. I've never done a live show with just like solo bass, you know, mm-hmm. by myself. Mm-hmm. That's a new approach for me, but um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I was thinking I, I had an opportunity many, many years ago at Graffiti's to catch Stu Ham, uh, and that was probably the only bassist I'd ever gone to see who was like the name, you know, like headlining. Right. And uh, you know, he had the luxury of Alex Skolnick. <laughs> And then with the monster, so <laughs> incredible. Yeah, yeah, I made that a little bit easier. So yeah, I wish you luck in that. If uh, um, people want to get in touch with you, what is what is the best avenue via the internet to get a hold of you? I mean, they can. I have a uh, Facebook page, um, Twitter, YouTube, whatever. I'm basically kind of everywhere. So whatever okay. works for them will work for me. Okay, so it's Facebook.com forward slash Shane uh, Lentz official. Correct. Great. Okay. All right. Well, Shane, I appreciate the uh, time taken. I wish you all the best down the road, man. All right. Thank you. Appreciate being on the show. All right. I'd like to thank Shane for talking to us. The EP is called Reverse Horizons. Definitely check it out. Also, check out Shane's YouTube videos. It's mind-boggling what he can do with that bass. Uh, that about wraps up this episode. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please feel free to drop us a line at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Check out our Instagram at instagram.com forward slash ironcityrocks. And of course, check out our main website, ironcityrocks.com. Till next time, thanks for listening.